Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, Ted Wynn. Post-game edition here of State of the Nation, where the Raiders, winners on Sunday over the Denver Broncos, 17-13. They are back over 500. They are 8-7, and seven, and they control their playoff destiny. It, it's been a wild season, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and they're not in great position. They're currently the number 9 seed in the AFC, but if they can find a way to go on the road and beat the Indianapolis Colts next week, they can set up a win in their in-game which, hey, could have the possibility of being flexed to Sunday night football, uh, you'd think, in that Week 18 uh, against the Chargers. Um, so winning their in, uh, final two games to go. If you're the Raiders, for everything they've gone through this season, it's hard not to say, all right, I'll take it. You know, let, let's see what we can do. Yeah, you really can't complain about this. I mean, they uh, they would prefer to, to be in a different situation right now, but you know they don't have to depend on anybody else uh, down the stretch this season. They don't have to have a team lose or depend on a certain tiebreaker. It's, it's pretty cut and dry. It's like if they went out, they're in the playoffs. You know, for the first time you know, since 2016. And so, obviously, they have two pretty tough matchups to end the season. You know, both teams that are currently also in the playoff hunt right there with them. Um, so it's not going to be easy by any means. But as you were saying, just all the off on and off field stuff that they've been through this season, the ups and downs to end up in a situation where. You know, not not just having something to play for still, but being in, you know, I wouldn't say the driver's seat, but but being in control, you know, going down these, these last two games. You know, I think this is probably if you told them, especially after that, that loss to the Chiefs, you know, 48 to nine, you know, kind of look like it's some of the way, you know, if you tell them that they're going to be in this position just, you know, a couple weeks later. I think they take that. They also have some uh, some confidence going. Now. I think they found their running game uh, in the second half today after looking for it pretty much all year long and their run defense also playing well now after not doing so well at the start of the season so uh, they feel that they can do that going forward so that's something they can try and build on but definitely I think Josh Jacobs was definitely the uh, the bell cow second half 104 yards rushing the second half definitely was the reason why they won today plus the defense was very good or Drew Locke was very bad depends on who you ask but um, yeah they, they, they feel good to be in the spot and they have some confidence. The Raiders did two things that they haven't done well all season to win this game. Their their run defense was not just good. I mean, it, it was it might have been the best run defense performance of the season because they if you don't include Drew Locke's two runs, which are you know basically scrambles for the two running backs, they allowed 14 rushes, 
for eight yards, which is pretty extraordinary considering how mediocre and bad the, the Raiders run defense was. And they couldn't run the ball all season for most of the first half. They weren't running the ball that well. And then the Josh Jacobs fumble happened. And uh, yeah, I don't know what uh, they said in that locker room, but the offensive line came out angry. Josh Jacobs came out angry and they're moving people off the ball in that first drive. Josh Jacobs was making guys miss when he finally has some space. He, he could do that. So it was a pretty extraordinary turnaround of two things. They just haven't done well this season to keep their season alive. Yeah, and we'll get more into Jacobs, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about the defensive performance, kind of put it in perspective. The, the 18 yards allowed on the ground, the fewest allowed since 2014. A, uh, they allowed 13 yards to the Buffalo Bills in a Week 16 game. And the second fewest ever allowed in the 123-game history between the Raiders and the Broncos. And it's not like they did it against a team that doesn't like to run the ball or doesn't do well running the ball. We complimented them last week. You know, they went up against the Browns, who many consider to be the best, one of the best rushing teams in the league. And and they really were able to limit them. This is a team, the Broncos, I mean, with, with, with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, Today is going to put a big hamper in it, but uh, they had a chance to have both those guys top a thousand yards rushing. I mean, the, running the ball is what they do pretty well. That's kind of the, you know, they're a team that's not very good overall, but that's the one thing they hang their hat on. So to do that, have a historically good performance like that against a team that likes to run the ball, you can't say enough about what that group did, especially without Jonathan Hankins, who you'd consider on that defensive line. He's their best run defender today. I mean, they got Denzel Perriman back. You've got Max Crosby flying off the edge. I mean, he, yeah, we we talked about him the last couple of years as being a good edge rusher, but a guy that doesn't defend the run very well. He's turned himself into a complete defensive end, I'd say. Not even just you know being without Hankins, but but obviously also the big loss for them, and, and probably the biggest development coming into this 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 game was you know they were going to be without Jonathan Abram for the rest of the season after he had you know season ending shoulder surgery, and you know and then his backup Roger Teamer, he also was going to be out, and so they were relying on Dallin Levitt, you know third string box safety, and Jonathan Hankins isn't out there and. All of a sudden, they have their best run defense performance of the season. This is really, you know, I'm kind of excited to, to rewatch this game, just to kind of see, you know, on a play by play basis, play by play basis, what really went into it. You know, Darius Fyline got the start, and after the game, Max Crosby really credited him for, for um, you know, helping out with the run defense in the middle. But yeah, like you said about Crosby, you know, obviously, you know, as an edge rusher, it's always going to be about the sacks and the pressures. But you know, you look at his run defense stats in terms of like EPA on True Media. I think they had him like top thirty among defensive ends, which isn't like you know incredible. But given like what his reputation had been and questions about is he just a situational pass rusher to have that in combination with you know having the most pressures in the league, uh, I think you could you know legitimately say that that Crosby's one of the best defensive ends in the league. Period. Right now, not just. We're the best pass rushers, and, you know, that was on display today. Yeah, I thought Fylon played well. I thought uh, you could definitely tell right away Denzel Perryman's been out for a couple of weeks. He came back, first play of the game. He made a nice play, on a, a nice tackle on a run. So definitely set the tone there. But um, definitely an impressive effort. They definitely uh, stacked the box. They weren't really worried about Drew Locke, even though they had some good receivers against a pretty patchwork secondary. I was worried about you know, Desmond Trufant, Keyshawn Nixon, and, and Don Lovett. Those guys weren't really noticeable as being – Guys who are going to be exposed or taking advantage of. So I think um, got to give you know hats off to Gus Bradley and, and the defense for really setting the tone. And you know ten of the points the Broncos scored were kind of gifts in that first half, the second quarter, the, the Jacobs fumble and the Derek Carr interception. So that's ten points that uh, the defense didn't really give up. So it's definitely a 
another season-saving effort by both uh, defense and by by Josh Jacobs. Got to shout out Keyshawn Nixon. He gave me some some shit on Twitter because uh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, because I'd said earlier in the week when they were having all, all the the injuries and stuff, I was like, you know, I don't know if they keep him at, at nickel or do you try to put him outside. I was like, I don't know if I would want to put him outside against the Broncos receivers. But they ended up, you know, I mean, he, he started at nickel, even though Nate Hobbs was, was was active in this game, coming back from COVID, he was playing special teams, but he started Nixon and he played well again. So I got I got to give him props for, props for that, man. You motivated him to perform. I better check my feed. Kind of ripping down Lovett for years. I'm sure Dan Lovett might say something to me because uh, <laughs> maybe I'll him an apology also. But I better check my feed. The tweet here from uh, Keyshawn Nixon, LOL, hashtag K9, to uh, Tashawn's tweet. He uh, Tashawn tweeted with Brandon Faison still currently out. Wonder if Nate Hobbs plays outsider or nickel corner for the Raiders. Keyshawn Nixon did a solid job at nickel last week, but not sure you want him matched up outside with the Broncos wide receiver talent, man. You you are. And, I, mean, I was technically right, though, because they, they did keep him inside at nickel, and it, and it worked out very well. So I don't know. I, you know, I'll take it. He had a huge play. We chased down Locke in that one run where Locke was going to get the first down, and he stopped him a yard short. That was, that was a huge play in this game. So, yeah, yeah hats off to Nixon. Definitely uh, stepped up today when he had to. So when's Dallin Levitt getting his extension? <laughs> I guess he played well today. I mean, I didn't notice him, so that's a good thing. I thought he was going to be a liability, and I was incorrect. So uh, props to Dallin Levitt. And uh, Desmond Chufant played well, I thought, also. So those guys really stepped up. Well, let's talk more about Jacobs. I mean, we were kind of hard on him on the podcast earlier in the week, um, basically saying, like, you know, he needs to show something. And while we acknowledge that the offensive line hasn't been good this year, you still need to see him be able to do something, right? And this was a game that you know when, when he made that when he had that fumble. I think you know up until that point he was running the ball fairly well, and he was at something like fifty yards or whatever. But that fumble was just a, a play you can't have happen. You, you can't just cough up the ball like that. It was looking like just one another one of those days, and what's been a lost season for Jacobs. But he turns it on, and you know this one game in a vacuum isn't enough to say okay, boom, ten point two million. Let's rubber stamp it, but. If he wants to even have the Raiders think about picking up that option, uh, the last two games here, playing like this is, is what the Raiders need. It looked like he had some extra some juice out there even early on, like you were saying. I mean, he, he might not have had that many rushing yards, but I think he was averaging like five or six yards per carry leading up to that fumble. It was kind of similar to his fumble against the Chiefs just because he was kind of you know holding the ball loose and away from his body, so you, you would think he would improve on that, but... Uh, you know, coming out in the second half, you know, we, we saw the coaching staff, you know, even though he had, you know, given up the ball, you know, they, they didn't, you know, bail on running the ball and, and go all out on the pass. You know, they, I mean, it, it was basically all Josh Jacobs on that on that first drive coming out of the third quarter and, and, he, and he drove him down the field. I know Peyton Barber got the touchdown, but that was basically, you know, all Josh Jacobs. And so um, these are kind of the flash games that, you know, you would like to see more consistently from Jacobs, especially if you're going to pay him that kind of money. But, you know, I, I think this does show you that, you know, when he is, you know, relatively healthy and uh, if there is some solid blocking up front, he can still be, you know, kind of that dy- dynamic back that we saw, uh, you know, more often in his first two years in the league. And so uh, obviously this is what the Raiders want their offense to be, you know, more balanced. They don't want to have to throw for 400 yards to win games. And I mean, we saw for the, for the game still in play on the, on the third and two catch by Foster Moreau there at the end of the game. It was off a of play action. And, and maybe, you know, Foster Moreau isn't so wide open, you know, if Jacobs wasn't having that kind of game. And so they only, they only scored 17 points. So it's not like they had some kind of great offensive performance, but just how it looked is more of, you know, what the Raiders want. People kind of look at his broken tackle numbers and yards after contact numbers this season. And it hasn't been great, but there's a difference between having to break a tackle with some room to work then having to break a tackle with three guys surrounding you, which is what he has to dealt, you know, which is what he had to dealt with for most of the season. 
so this game was really the first game besides maybe the Eagles game where you know he had some room to maneuver, some room to make guys miss, and you saw some of that elusiveness that it was advertised when you you draft a guy like him in the first round. So you know, hopefully he gets some better blocking going into these last two games, so the Raiders have a better idea of who he is and and what he can do. But yeah, this was the Josh Jacobs that we remember from uh, his rookie year. It was by far his best performance of the year. I thought he was hitting the hole hard. Even when there wasn't a hole, he was still hitting the line hard. I thought he wasn't reacting as much. Definitely, I thought he ran angry. I asked a bunch of teammates about it. They kind of agreed. Hunter Renfro joked that when he gets rolling like this, he doesn't say much. He's kind of quiet and just kind of focused. And I just thought he looked really good. I think um, at this point, I mean, they had two games left. They had to win both these games. And this is what they want to do. They want to run Josh Jacobs like they did in the second half. If the EV does this again, then I will uh, take back what I said about the extent, the fifth year option, and uh, pay the man. Because if this is the difference maker they drafted, uh, you know, a few years back. It was just so big for them today with, you know, Darren Waller being out again, but also Brian Edwards. Uh, he was also out because he went on the reserve COVID-19 list uh, before the game, so he wasn't available. And the passing offense, you know, has been struggling anyway. And uh, even, uh, you know, the offensive line was good in run, run blocking today, but their pass protection was a little bit shoddy. Uh, you know, it seemed like Carr was, was pressured really whenever he held on to the ball. And, and so, really, Josh Jacobs was the key to the victory today on offense. You know, obviously the defense led the way, but uh, particularly going up against a team uh, like the Colts up next, which we all know what Jonathan Taylor has been doing, and, and kind of it's kind of a similar. It's almost like between the Browns, the Broncos, and, and the Colts. It's all it, everything's kind of focused on on the run game, um, and, and they're two for two so far. You know, we'll see if they can do it again next week. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. All right, I did want to mention uh, Raider fans are going to enjoy this little portion of the uh, the Denver uh, post game situation. Uh, after the game, Drew Locke was uh, was talking to the uh, Broncos media, and I, I I guess something happened. There was a glitch, and and all of a sudden, Rich Bisaccia's audio from his news conference started getting piped into the visiting team's media room. So Drew Locke is standing up there talking. He ends up getting drowned out by Rich Bisaccia. Where he, if you heard that quote from him after the game where he starts off, he's like talking about, he's like, our defense, I really haven't come up with a word yet to describe 
first and foremost, I'd say it was outstanding. And Drew Locke is sitting there listening to this and kind of looks up, kind of wondering what the hell's going on. And as as Basaccia says, you know, yeah, it was outstanding. Locke kind of has a half smile on his face and like, yeah, that, that about sums it up. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Raiders did that on purpose. I don't know what, what happened there. But uh, a postgame scene that I'm sure Raider fans will get a kick out of. Just an exclamation mark on a terrible week for Mizzou, who lost to Army in a bowl game. Drew Locke looked like crap in this game, and then that happens uh, on top of it. So to Sean, who is a Mizzou alum, is just uh, it's just you know having to deal with all this yeah, right. Vegas now. has been hell for Drew Locke, man. Last year he had like 15 turnovers, and then this year you know he didn't turn the ball over, but after the game he's getting trolled by the the Raiders PR staff. Maybe who knows? But uh, yeah, not a good place for Mizzou grads, man. If you're going to take these two wins with a grain or, or a ton of salt, they've beaten teams quarterbacked by Nick Mullins and Drew Locke <laughs> by, by, a, by a combined six points. So I wouldn't be da- dancing with these two you just said, fuck all. Fuck, Dude, the cold water is just getting dumped I mean, on. Like, we gotta, again, gotta clean off my computer here. Kudos, congratulations, you're still alive, but let's not go crazy and start dancing in the streets. Because there's still a long way to go. Even though they get another break next week, because um, the Colts don't have Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard, so two of the top three players are going to be out with COVID. So another break for them there. So things are going their way finally. It's been a rough year for them, and now they're getting some breaks and, and taking advantage of them. Vic, are you going to sing "What the World Needs Now" for us? I'm not. The word is you tweeted it yourself that uh, that you killed it in the third grade. That's a long time ago. It's a I long, think you've only gotten better. You've had a lot of your, years. Your voice is You've had a lot of now. years to practice. I'll practice tonight. Maybe I'll do it on Wednesday. I'll do a little. Uh, if they beat the Colts. Oh fuck! Oh sorry. You have to do it. I mean, <laughs> oh, oh damn! If they beat the Colts, I'll sing the whole damn song for you. How about that? I'll do acapella. My mom says we swear too much anyway. I just swore in myself. So I'm sorry, mom. That's my. That's my bad. I apologize. What else is going on? Uh, how did Chargers lose to the Texans? How's that possible? It's weird for a team that. You know, it's coached by Brandon Staley, you know, the part of the Spangio tree. He was hired because of all the great things he did defensively with the Rams. Their defense has been terrible all year. And granted, they had a lot of COVID absences. They didn't have Joey Bosa. They didn't have Austin Eckler. But they were playing the freaking Texans who had, I think, eight starters out due to COVID. The Chargers had nine. And I mean, yeah, there was more impact players out on the Chargers. But that's only because the Texans, like, have almost no impact players. But they didn't have Brandon Cooks. Texans put up 40. That's a terrible loss. And so that's why we've got, you know, three teams there at eight and seven between the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Ravens. Now, the Dolphins can also get to eight and seven if they can beat the Saints on Monday. Obviously, if you look at that, the Raiders have beaten the Ravens. They've beaten the Dolphins. They lost to the Chargers. They will get the Chargers in the season finale. Right now, if you go by the three-way tie between the Chargers, Ravens, and Raiders, the Ravens get in. The only reason for that is the way they do it is... if there's two teams from the same division within a three-way tiebreaker or three or four or five, whatever team tiebreaker, they first break any ties within the, the division. So the Chargers head-to-head beat the, the Raiders. They don't own the tiebreaker over the Raiders, I never like to say, because they still have to play and beat them a, a second time. But right now they have the tiebreaker. And I think when it comes down to if it gets to common games, they would also at this point have the tiebreaker over the Raiders. So Chargers get it over the Raiders and that's why it immediately knocks the Raiders out and then it goes to the Ravens having beat the Chargers head to head. We can talk about all this tiebreaker stuff and the Raiders still, if they lose one of their two games, would have like a, a 
somewhere between like an 8 and 15% chance of getting in. Not great. It doesn't really matter. It, the way you just got to look at it is win the last two and, and you're in. Yeah. Winning you in, you know, losing you're fucked. So I guess, you know, it's really the, like the <laughs> equation there for the for writers. V- Vic's mom is not going to uh, like I'll, this I'll podcast. I'm about this tomorrow. I'm like, hey, I thought I told you guys stop swearing. I'm like, oh, sorry, mom. It's like, I can handle it when it's one of the yeah, other guys, but when exactly, it's you, Vic. Exactly. I mean, they're going to have to stop the run again. They're going to have to have a similar performance. Carson Wentz isn't playing great, but, you know, if they can stop the run, they, they have a chance. You know, and Wentz, we're, I mean, obviously we'll get more into this game as the week goes on, but uh, Wentz has only thrown six interceptions this year. I mean, that's that's the one thing he's severely cleaned up coming here to Indy, being back with uh, with Frank Reich, is that he's cleaned up those interceptions. Uh, but Colts, as our producer Brian tells us, seven and a half point favorites. You know what? And also, you know, you know Derek Carr. isn't it? That's right. Yeah, you know, Derek Carr always buys his own linemen, like scooters or like electronic gadgets. Does he buy him anything? They should buy the D line stuff. The D line, no. I mean, second week in a row, they kind of <laughs> saved his bacon because, I mean, last week, obviously, they stopped him on third down, overcame his, his threat. The interception was terrible, but I thought the fumble, which actually didn't cost me any points, was even worse when he fumbled on the Shelby Harris sack. But two turnovers you really can't have uh, for a guy with his experience. But uh, again, defense rose to the occasion and kind of saved him for the second week in a row. All right, let's talk about the interception. Where do we put the most blame on that? Bradley Chubb. 26 seconds. I, I mean, it was a hell of a play by Bradley Chubb. I, I think you like that. You got You have to like on its own acknowledge that was in a hell of a play by Chubb. What the hell are they doing running a, a screen pass like that? And why is Derek Carr making that throw? Because like if you if you slow it down, I mean, I guess some people were saying that maybe Chubb was kind of hidden behind. You know, you got the, the tackle and you know you got Colt Miller like engaged with his defender, and he's kind of hidden behind. But, like, it was also, like, nobody out in front. Like, he could have floated that way out in front of, of Jacobs. It's just, it's the questionable. I like the play call, and people don't question the play call, but if you watch the game slow motion, Chubb's the only guy that really read the play well, and he had made an amazing play. But if you look behind him where Jacobs is, there's five Raiders block, five Raiders blockers ahead of him. I mean, it would have gone for a long, long way. Obviously, if you're Derek Carr, you see Chubb there, maybe you – you shouldn't throw that ball in. I mean, you, you definitely shouldn't. But, again, Chubb made an amazing play, read the play well, made an amazing play to pick it off. But, um, yeah, the, the problem with me is more the throw and, and not, like you said, not airing it out more. The, I thought the play call was excellent. Yeah, I think Carr after the game, he said he, it looked like to him that Chubb was, like, stumbling. So he wasn't expecting him to, like, go from, like, leaning over to, like, all of a sudden, like, reaching back, like, Odell Beckham Jr. and tipping it to himself. So, like, I honestly, I feel like that was just Chubb making a crazy-ass play. Like I said, the, the play call, it was fine because it was going to work if he completed it. And, like, Carr, it's not like he, you know, threw it straight to him. It was trying to trying to float it high. He had to, like, a defensive end had to basically make a receiver-type play to, to intercept it. So it's like... It's a guy who hasn't made a play all year. He's barely played, and he hasn't made a play, like, all year. Bradley, Bradley Chubb's done, like, nothing this year. Another thing is, like, if the Raiders just hand it off three times and go into halftime with their lead, they're shitting on him because, oh, they had three timeouts, and they didn't... And they throw an interception. It's like, oh, what were you doing? So, again... Like, the results, I get it. I'm, I sound like Rich Versace right now, but, like, that's just a great play by the defense, man. I, that's what I got to give it to. But, again, I go back to if you're Derek Carr, in that, in that situation, that time of the game, if there's any doubt at all. If you see Chubb, I know you misread Chubb, but if Chubb is in between you and, and the guy you're throwing the ball to, you really can't throw that pass because you gave him seven points there, three on Josh's fumble. That's ten points. Otherwise, the game's not close. So you kind of gave the Broncos life. 
Yeah, the turnovers have been, seriously, they have been issued the last, the last three games. They've combined to commit 10 turnovers. Even, you know, even with the Chiefs game, obviously five turnovers was an anomaly, but still, you know, you have 10 over that kind of stretch. Uh, you know, and it's kind of the last two weeks, uh, you know, kind of almost messed up some, some really good defensive performances. Again, as we said, they were going against Nick Mullins and Drew Locke. So, you know, it's like, you know, they were going against these super offenses, but, you know, especially with, with how much the offense is struggling to put up points and score touchdowns, like they can't afford to get the ball away and, and put the, the defense in, in these disadvantageous situations. So, you know, going against the Colts in particular, like I know they've been stopping to run well, but if you're turning the ball over and Jonathan Taylor is rolling, you're probably cooked. So like, you know, I'm not sure if it's, you know, chance plays or them being less sloppy, but the turnovers have to stop. Our producer, Brian, has the uh, the line of the night that explains the interception. Derek Carr didn't see the full chub. Mom's not going to like yeah, that. Mom probably know what that, doesn't know what that means, probably, thank God. But um, unless, someone, unless someone tells <laughs> Google you. It. Do, no, Google, do it, not, do not, Google it. Google it. Do not Google it. Do not Google it. Do not. My poor mom's the star of the show all of a sudden, man. I, I mean, my mom doesn't listen. You know, I, nobody in my family listens. My <laughs> wife doesn't listen, so I can't. They can say whatever, huh? Yeah. You got, you got carte blanche. I got to be careful. All right, guys. Well, I think that'll wrap up our post-game edition of State of the Nation. Uh, Raiders, relevant in December, and, and they're more than relevant. Hey, two wins. All you need. Two more wins. Get into the playoffs. The odds still probably aren't likely. I mean, going to Indy. And beating the Colts, a uh, Colts team that's on a roll right now, really, doesn't seem likely. But the Raiders, you haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. You haven't been, haven't had a chance like this often. Closing out the season a little bit stronger than they have the last couple years. We'll see what they can do over these last two games and uh, see if they can find a way to get over the hump and get in the playoffs. You got to, like, uh, fly Darren Waller to Germany, get some of that blood spinning going, get him some, like, Shatsu massage. PRP, some, yeah. Everything it takes, because Darren Waller definitely would be needed in this game on Sunday. Alrighty, guys, we'll talk to you later this week to get you set up for the Raiders heading to Indy to take on the Colts. Hey, Later. Adios, muchachos and muchachas. Just stay relevant, baby. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.